Good evening, I'm Rick Dancer, and welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer, and tonight we are going to get real. Um, real, real. <laughs> At least real for me. Um, I've had a number of people in my circle of friends tell me of men they've met that have had prostate cancer diagnoses recently, and I've had a number of people over the last several months say, you ought to do a show and just tell people about what you went through and kind of what prostate cancer was like. And um, and so I brought that up to Matt McCarl over at New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness. And um, he said, yeah. And I realized, Matt, I just put massage on here. I love your massage. And I keep putting that on as your name <laughs> because it's because I'm partial. I guess it's a Freudian thing. I really like massage. It's hyperbarics and wellness and Rick is a slow learner. So what I thought we would do, um, so you know, Matt, I'm going to change this a little bit. I'm going to bring you in here real quick. So Matt, you guys, um, you do a lot of work with people who are in having in cancer treatments of different sorts. Yeah. We see folks every now and again. Well, actually, we just had a gentleman in his late 90s had bladder cancer that was coming to see us and they they knew it was in you know, un, unfixable uncurable whatever you want to use but he was coming to see us um for better quality of life after three or four treatments mom was like hey my dad's coming back you know we got more more dad you know type sign so we gave them a better time with him and him better quality of life you know he just recently went into hospice care about two weeks ago. The staff here is, you know, it's pretty rough. We get to know those people pretty, pretty well. Yeah. And Christina says, you guys did a really great job. They're awesome over there. Uh, and, and Matt and them do a lot of different things. But so, Matt, what we thought we'd do tonight, I'm going to show you a story. But, Matt, you were going to you're going to ask me questions. So ask me one question and then I'll bring that. Then I'm going to bring up something. So what what? You were planning because I warned Matt. I said you're going to interview me, and then I pulled a bunch of clips from when I was going through cancer that I'm going to mix in here for people so they can kind of see what was going on. So, Rick, uh, when you did what what treatments did you use? So I I looked at everything. I took like six months to kind of look over what I was going to do because the first thing that came out was you know you should do surgery, and then there was the gold seed radiation and everything had a side effect that I wasn't comfortable with. Um, and so my wife really, I kind of shut down for a few days and then she went to work and started looking for treatments. And um, we ended up at OHSU looking at what was called Calypso radiation in the day. And uh, it's basically they put beacons in your prostate and I'll just let your imagination tell you, tell you how they get there, but it isn't fun. Um, it's a rear entry thing. And, <laughs> and so anyway, yeah, I'm not a virgin. And um, so they, they put these beacons in there and then they put a computer over you when you get blasted with the radiation. And that, that computer targets all the radiation right into that spot. So you have the nerves on the outside of your prostate are what cause you to get an erection. And if they ruin those, then you are not getting an erection for the rest of your life. And that's one of the problems that I was having. I was very concerned about that. I like that part of my life. And so this was why I picked this treatment. And when I um, when one time I was on the on the table 
and getting treatment. And I remember um, that, you know, this big steel door closes and I fart. Um, and the, the movement of my muscles in there, just that little bit, shut the whole machine down. And the doctors, the door comes open, all these little doctors come walking in and go, did you pass gas? And I'm like, good God, you people see my junk, you know, everything about me. <laughs> and now I can't even fart. And he goes, that little fart is what moved that, that beacon. And then you, that Calypso is taking care of you that way. And from that day forward, Matt, that was like my greatest friend. So right. this video, I'll show you this video. And this kind of tells people what we're, what we're talking about here. When the phone rings and your doctor informs you you have cancer, life forever changes. I work in the television video production industry. I do online videos and decided after a lot of thinking to make my cancer very public. So here's the thing. I have cancer, prostate cancer. And I'm just shocked just kind of stunned and numb and scared and afraid. My diagnosis came in January of 2010. I didn't want to die, but I also, you know, to be honest, I didn't want to lose my ability to have an erection. I mean, that's a big concern for a guy. I'm not afraid this is going to kill me. Prostate cancer is really treatable. I'm afraid of the process. I just don't want to do it. I don't want to live with cancer. In my late 40s, my PSA jumped. At first, the PSA was two, then four, and that's when the biopsies began. It took five years and five biopsies to find cancer. My PSA was hovering at 20 when the cancer was discovered. That was the horrible process. We, we, we felt so alone while we were looking for a treatment. And I remember we'd go to doctor appointment after doctor appointment, and every time we'd come out, we'd just feel, we'd just sit there and cry all the way home. The internet was even worse. The most talked about treatments always came with a host of possible side effects. Your temptation is to move quickly. You hear cancer and just want to get it out of your body. I resisted the temptation and took several months finding the treatment that was right for me, and I'm so glad I did. I wish in those early days we'd had a team of specialists like those at the Willamette Valley Cancer Institute to talk with us about all the options, not just the usual treatments. So you can't rely on friends and relatives or other men in your life who've had prostate cancer and do what they did. You really have to go through this process yourself and figure out what's the best treatment for you or whether you really want to get treated at all at this point. Cancer did change my life, but not in the ways I thought it would. We chose a treatment that worked for us. Yes, this is not just your decision. Your wife needs to be part of that process. I think attitude is a huge part of cancer treatment, survival, and moving on. I didn't have to fight cancer. I had to fight Rick Dancer, me. Surviving cancer did have lasting effects on our lives. We discovered how much stronger we are and how short time really is when you think about it. We now do triathlons, our first half marathon, we cycle Oregon and try things we never dreamed of trying before. I'm not trying to glamorize cancer. There is nothing beautiful about it. But cancer let me stare death in the face and then walk away. There is something powerful in the gift of survival. Guys, the best advice I can give after going through this process is don't rush into anything. First of all, determine whether you need to be treated with your different doctors that you're gonna go visit. If you do decide on treatment, 
Look at the side effects and make sure you're comfortable with what's going to happen or what could happen. And then remember, you will get through this. Life is good now. My PSA is down to zero for the first time in a decade. My side effects from the treatment are minimal. I look back at this video and remember that day like it was yesterday. That's kind of where we're at. So keep praying and I thank you. Um, it'll get better. It'll get better. It'll get better. Oops, uh, that video I didn't put out. Um, I taped that right after I found out and I waited like a month to put it out because it was so raw, you know? And um, just lots of, it was so funny because today I pulled up these videos for us and I wanted to kind of look at what was, what was going on. It just brought up a lot of really um, interesting memories, Matt, you know, like um, how, you know, how, how, you know, how hard it really is, you know, it's when you, when you go through that place and, um, you know, and, and you've been through it, I know in your family too. And it's just like, you can't to, to manage it. And I think that, um, well, let me, let me play this other one for you. This one is, and there's a little car noise in this, but I think you'll still get the idea. A bunch of people, um, saying that, you know, we're praying for my healing and I've been saying, why don't you pray for God's will? And something about all that just kind of hits funny for me. Um, because I want God's will and I want to be healed. And then I was talking to a friend of mine today and he gave me the perfect thing. He was praying and he said, I'm going to read it for you. Make sure, God, would you give Rick a healing in the definition that you have planned for him? So a healing in the definition that God has planned for me. See, I like that. To me, that says everything in the definition of the unique and individual plan that God has set aside for Rick Dancer. I like that. So if you want to pray for me, and I would love it if you would pray for me. Pray for a healing of the definition that God would have planned for me. And then let's see what he does. I remember um, there was like lots of ups and downs with it, you know, <laughs> and you go in and you have a CAT scan because they want to look at your body and see where your prostate is to see if they can see anything in there, you know? So, so, um, so Matt, this is the video I did. This is super, it's, I think it's really funny because I went in, I'm, I do my CAT scan. I'm scheduled to go in on the following Monday to get my treatment. And then I get a call and here's, this is it. Got some news today that kind of puts everything on hold a little bit for a while. It's not bad news, but it's just, you know, when you're ready to go, you're ready to go. So here's this, the nurse called me and I guess I have a unusual anatomy <laughs> is what I'm told. Okay, now let me explain, okay? Um, I guess since I don't have enough fat in my system, they're having a hard time seeing between my gallbladder, the difference between my, excuse me, the difference between my prostate and my bladder. Most people, I guess, have a bunch of fat in between there so they can clearly outline them when they're, you know, designing the target that they want to hit. Well, I don't have enough fat, she said, and so they can't see it. So what that means is I can't get treated on Monday because they couldn't do my plan. What I have to do is go in on Monday or Tuesday and have an MRI. So that means I'm going to be sitting in that tube for an hour and a half. They do give me medication, which I will take plenty of. 
and she said you'll sit in there for an hour and a half and then that'll give them the picture they need so they can go ahead and design my plan. Um, I'm not upset about it because you know what, I want the best plan I can. And if that's what it takes, then that's okay. So there you go. I'm too healthy. <laughs> ah! <laughs> if only I'd eaten more french fries in my life, <laughs> I wouldn't have to have the MRI. Oh well, just goes to show you, you can't do everything, right? You can't stop your life from, from, you can't stop yourself from getting cancer. You can greatly reduce your risk by doing some things, but sometimes it's just all catches up with you. <laughs> I'll see ya. I remember laughing so hard back because when they said that, I'm just going, what? oh my God. If I was like 400 pounds, I wouldn't have to go do this, you know? And it was always little things like that that kind of blew you away, that kind of showed up in, in what you were doing. Yeah, that's, it's, it blows me away still every day when I talk to, you know, different people, I was hearing the stories like that where you were, either they think they're like doing awesome and something just takes them out of left field and knocks them in the ground or they're in the ground and then something that totally positive that would you would think would normally be totally positive gives them a left hook again, just like what happened with you. Yeah. So question that just got brought to my mind was um, you mentioned the MRI and being in there for an hour and a half. Did you need medication because you're a little too hyper and can't stay still or because no. of the space? Claustrophobic. Yeah. And, and, and I was fortunate because it was, you know, my crotch, um, mm -hmm my head, like the, the edge of the tank was here. So I could literally do that and look out of the tank. For those, it gives me so much empathy for those people who have to have their head done and your face is right in there because that you had to have that done? Yeah, when they when they were looking at my neck for my, for I had my neck fusion. That but, noise is just, and they give you music, but it, that, you know, and that's kind of like, well, it's better than nothing, but it doesn't really cover um, what was going on. You know, when, before I went there, Matt, there's something really weird that happened. Like when I, I was sitting there when I, and I knew I had to go have the MRI and I, I had a, like a dream about it. It was really weird. It was almost like a vision. And it was like, it's like I walked into the room and I'm, I'm getting ready to go to the machine and then there's God and God looks over at me and I go, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I'm here to go through this with you. I said, you can't go through this with me. There's like a little tiny hole. I'm going to lay in there. There's not room for you to come in there. And he goes, no, Rick, I'm going to put my, my whole body around you. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to hug you the entire time that you're in there. And you're going to be fine. And so that was the vision I put into my head um, going in there that God was laying on the outside of me and I was going to be protected. I just believe so much with everything in my head that our, my mind is the most important cancer fighting, COVID fighting, pneumonia fighting. It is my, this is my weapon of choice. And, and, and if we, if, I think if we understood more, like I was talking to a cop the other day when I was getting some gun training, some shooting training, he goes, Rick, the thing that kills most people when they get a gunshot is the shock. He says they give up. They think it hurts really bad. And then they just go into shock and that's what kills them. He says, it's not most, a lot of people can survive a gunshot fire. 
a gunshot, you know, and he goes, you see people that are shot up really badly and they survive. It's because it's mental. It's, it's, I mean, there's some that are going to, you know, obviously that, you know, they're hitting the heart or something and it explodes. You're not going to live, but there, he says really most gunshot wounds, what kills people is their mental stability, how that, what they're thinking about. Absolutely. You guys have, you have show people that um, my, my wife snoops on Matt's page because she's always looking for new things. <laughs> so you guys, you have a new product you're selling that is for brain health, right? Yeah, we actually is partnered with a company called Amare and their lead product. I don't have a box of it, so, but their lead product is called Edge. Uh, and it's uh, about mood, motivation and metabolism. And those are the three ingredients right there mango leaf, leche fruit, and palm fruit. And I tell you, Rick, I you know, get lots of energy and everything from the hyperbarics. So I normally don't need like all those energy drinks that most people do to get energy in the afternoon. But I do get a little mental fatigue from working on a computer, you know, staring at the, the screen time stuff just kills my mental ability in the afternoons. I start getting mental fatigue. I get some great mental. So I take this after lunch. And I get great mental clarity for the rest of the day. And you're not putting anything weird, like because of those energy drinks you get. I, I can't. I, I they, it's all the caffeine and stuff in them. I can't do that. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So, what all during this cancer treatment? When, when I first got it, um, Kathy said to me, "So how are you going to do this?" And I said, "Well, I can either have people talk to me about it." and make up stories or I can just go full force out there and kind of do it. And so I did videos all the time on what I was going through. And it's, and honestly, it was really more for me kind of to help me through it, to kind of to deal with it because my whole life had been on television, that kind of thing. Um, and, um, and I think that really, really helped me like that. So here's a video I shot like three months after. Three months ago, when I found out I had cancer, I thought it was the end of the world. Now, I think it's the beginning of my world. Three months ago, when the doctor called and said, you know, this is your future, this is what's gonna happen, I thought, I can't do this. And now I think, how could I not do this? Three months ago, I thought I understood God. Now I know I'll never understand God, and I stopped trying. I just want to love Him. Three months ago, I thought that I had a really close relationship with my wife and kids. And now I have to have a close relationship with my wife and kids. Three months ago, a whole bunch of stuff was on these top shelves and really, really mattered. It was so dang important. Now, very little of that matters. Three months ago, people would, I still, I guess I still kind of cared what people thought of me and I thought I didn't. Now, I don't care that much what you think of me. I guess three months ago, I thought that religion was ridiculous and that relationship was everything, relationship to God, to Christ, to the Holy Spirit and now I know I was right three months 90 days an eternity man 
I'm a lucky guy. I think that was the weird part as you go through and you go, I was so scared at that point, you know, and you're kind of just coming out of that. And it is absolutely frightening. But you like, because your family's been through this too. Once you get through that hurdle, you know, you know what I mean? You, you kind of know, and you, you, you know that something's going to take you out someday and there's nothing you can do to control that, <laughs> you know, and you just keep your mind in the game, I think. Um, Fonda, right? Fonda's a great lady. Yes, <laughs> I can answer these questions now. <laughs> it, do, it does help. Is that part of what it helps with people with, during cancer treatment is because it does help with the depression and some of that stuff too, or, you know? It can help with the depression, especially if somebody's already working with a, uh, you know, like a, a therapist of some kind. But we can also add those lights that we have, Rick, and the blue light in there can help, really help with depression, especially folks that suffer from SADS and because they're not getting enough of that stuff outside that we all should be getting every day that we don't get enough of here in the Pacific Northwest, even though it's beautiful up here. I wouldn't live anywhere else, but we all need more sunlight and that blue light especially is really good to help fight depression. But getting enough oxygen to the brain so that your brain can function appropriately really can help with depression, yes. So, um, Ryan says, I have never seen that video clip. God is good. <laughs> well, this is one after I hit the year. So I found out on January 28th that I had the prostate cancer. And I remember my wife and I sitting there and every time we would talk to the nurse, when we would call in, because I had five years of biopsies, my train. Mm -hmm. So every time I would talk to the um, the nurse, she would sit, she just tell me the results. Oh, Rick, you were this. Uh, we could we didn't find any cancer, that kind of thing. Well, this time <clears throat> we called and she says the doctor's going to have to call you. It'll be about an hour, and we sat there and it was just horrible. Cause we, and we didn't talk, we didn't say a word until the phone rang and a year to the day, um, this is what I did. It's been a year now since, uh, I found out I had prostate cancer a year today, January 28th from four to five o'clock in the evening. My wife and I sat in that kitchen back there behind me, um, practically sweating blood because we knew the answer was coming. And then the phone rang and the doctor said, you have cancer and my head swirled our world turned upside down and we didn't have a clue as to what the hell was going to happen. And I'm glad we didn't know. So what do you learn over a year? I kind of sat down this morning and just wrote some stuff out. So bear with me, listen if you want or go somewhere else if you don't want. It just doesn't matter. I'm more tolerant of some things and I'm far less tolerant of stupidity. I'm less of an idealist and I'm more certain in my lack of control. I have fewer priorities in my life today. I like people more, but I need them less. I trust God more and trust less in the ways of man, politics, religion, systems, formulas. They don't work. Peace is easier to find, yet it's much harder to hold on to once you've had cancer. I believe in less but that which I believe in, I believe in more. Compromise is easier to attain because when you have cancer, control becomes obsolete. You understand you have no control. 
Loneliness after cancer is more normal. Understanding matters little. Planning is worthless. Adventure is survival. What you put on your body once you've had cancer no longer matters. What you put in it means everything. I would never go back a year. This has been a hell of a year. Um, but I don't want to give any of it up either because it's mine. It's Kathy's and mine. We own it. I would not be the person I am today had it not been for cancer. God's good. Kathy and I were walking around the lake the other night, the pond, the Walterville Pond, and talking and, you know, we used to believe in so many things. Now it's down to three. God, Jesus, he died on a cross for my sins. That's about it. Everything else, it, I just don't know. And I don't need to. Um, simplicity is the way of living. And cancer has given me that. So, 29th of January, let's go into 2011 and let's have a much better year. I think that's why COVID was, the reaction to COVID was so hard for me, um, Matt, because it was like, I'm not putting something in my body anymore to protect that. I can't purchase safety and I can't be, I can't be scared into it either. You know what I mean? And, and I think that um, that's, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't even know how else to explain it. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so another question I had and probably kind of hit on it somewhere in one of those videos, but what was the hardest part? Um, like knowing that you were taking your family through this too. Because when you have cancer, then your your wife um, has it because they have to go through that. Your kids have it. Um, if I could go back and change something, I tried to do this myself. I tried to keep Kathy as much out of it. She was at all the appointments with me. But when I went and had the treatment, I went up and lived at our mountain house and I drive into OHSU and she would have liked to have been there more. We had kids at home, but I, I kind of excluded her from some of that because I was just as a guy, I'm just trying to get this done so we can get this 45 days out of the way and then we'll go. And that came back to bite me in the ass. And I wish that I would have done that differently. Um, it really is a, it's, it's a family thing. And I think that's the hardest part. Um, I was never afraid that I was going to die. Um, I was afraid I wouldn't get an erection again and thank God I can. Um, but I was never afraid I was going to die. But, and like I said, in that one video, I was just, in, I didn't, it's even, okay. So like right now, I'll be really honest with you. I need to go have my PSA done and I have to do it every year at the same place at OHSU. And I'm a little late. And I'm going to go up there now. I have an appointment. I'm going to be up there at the end of July. But I keep in my mind in the middle of the night when I wake up, there's this little thing going, 
oh, you need to get that. And what if your numbers are up? Because I know what I have to do if my numbers go up significantly and I don't want to do that. So that's how I live the rest of my life. I don't worry about it all the time. I don't think about it. But once a year, that test comes around and and and, and you think this if, if the answer is something, it's going to throw me back into that game again. And I just I just don't want to do it. So, I mean, that's just being really honest. And that's what when I wake up lately, my my night thing, I have to sit and talk myself out of being afraid of that because um, it does make me apprehensive um, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, let me play you another video. This one, um, I can't remember what's on this one, but I, I, I know it's important. I don't want this to sound like it's prima donna, like it's like, oh, everything's just great. I have moments. I woke up this morning really, really early and uh, started thinking about radiating my prostate and a little teeny bit of panic came over me because um, it scares me. I don't want to radiate my body and it scares me. But then when I was talking to this friend of mine today, he said, you know, I was when I was going through the process, Rick, I would visualize my grandmother making me a meal because that was one of the most charming memories I had. So I imagined her making a meal for me while I was laying on the table. And he goes, I think that, I think that really helps. And so for me, what I'm going to imagine while I'm getting my prostate radiated and the cancer radiated is that vision I had of God in the waiting room, waiting for me, running up to me, not just sitting and waiting, but running up to me when he sees me and saying, Rick, are you ready? I'm here. He's going to be there every day. I'm here to go through treatment with you. They're not going to radiate anything in you that they don't go through me because I'm going to be laying on top of you. And then I'm going to take my hands and I'm going to put them around all your other organs so only your prostate will be in my hand and that's the only thing they get to radiate. <laughs> I really believe I really, I really believe that. I really do. I really believe that that is what's going to happen. And the only reason that makes me get teary is not because I'm trying to convince myself. It's because I really do believe it. And for the first time in my life, I understand how much God loves and adores me. And how much he fights for me. And how much he's standing next to me and saying, you can do this, Rick. You are so tough. You got so much in you that you don't even know about. And you can do this. And um, so there's a side of me in this to, to the world would sound like a sick little way. I'm kind of excited to, to go through this and get this going because if it's anything like what I've experienced so far um, from the hand of God, I can't even believe in six weeks what I'm going to look like. I think it's going to be amazing. The perspective the insight and the things I have going on. The world is not perfect right now. There's things that are really, really super, super hard. But you know what? <laughs> it's not going to kill me. So that, and I think that's, um, God, that just, I don't know, that just, it just brings it all back. And it's like, if I could have seen 
then what I see now in my and me and who I am, um, Matt, God, it's all because of cancer and and leaving KEZI and cancer and losing my race. My losses have been my strength. It's like the foundation of who I am. And I couldn't, I, I mean, I can't even imagine myself without that part of my life. And I think sometimes we try so hard to get the bad things out of our lives. And we, we're just always looking for the good when we don't realize that it's all part of a plan. It's all part of something. I mean, I said to somebody one time, um, I know from the beginning of time that this is the plan for my life. When, when the earth was created, and God knew that Rick Dancer was going to be made. This was my life. It's not that I did something bad or something happened wrong. This was all in that thing. And, and I think it's all a test. And I feel like, you know, I, I never used to feel like I'm as strong as I am. And I think it was like, almost like going, Hey Rick, wait till we wait till I show you what you got inside of you, dude, you are never going to believe um, what you can do and how this can work. Um, and I, you know, and so, you know, yeah, I, I'm lucky people say to me, oh, well, at least you had the good cancer. This is the most treatable. I'm going, yeah, the one that makes it so your, th your erections threatened. That's what every guy wants to hear. <laughs> I'm always think it's kind of funny when people talk about the good cancer. Um, but you know, it's, um, I'm so glad I'm on this side of it. Let me show, I got one more video I want to show you here and then, um, I want you to talk more about how you guys help people like me uh, get through this oh, stuff. I went on a run this morning. I always start things with so. I went on a run this morning and I, I created a new channel on my Pandora station and it was Celtic music. And when I was going through cancer treatment at OHSU, every day I'd go to the gym and I would listen to this Celtic music and it would kind of help me you know, fight um, the effects of this radiation and stuff. And it's just weird how, how God brings things back to you because I'm running this morning and a few weeks ago I found out that a friend of mine who had cancer a while back, the cancer's back and he's probably not gonna make it. Um, then yesterday I got a call from someone really super close to me and they found out that they probably have cancer and they're waiting for the tests. And so as a cancer survivor, what that does is it brings it all back right in your face. And so I'm running along the track and around the bike path and I'm getting all teary and starting to cry and, and thinking, you know, oh gosh, I don't want mine to come back. And then I had this thought and I think God was just whispering in my ear, the enemy's not cancer, the enemy's fear. Fear is the thing we have to stop. Because, I mean, honestly, do you think that you're really going to be cut short on your life? I mean, God has your days numbered. He knows exactly how long we're going to be here. And it's not like he's going to turn around one day and go, Oh, gosh, Rick got cancer and died. I forgot I was working on something else. I mean, that's not how God is. So he knows, and you will not die one second before you're supposed to take your last breath. So what are we so worried about? You know, instead of dealing with fear, I think what we should be doing is just treating people with kindness, doing nice things for people. Go out and live your life to the fullest today because cancer is not going to kill you. Your time is going to come and God will say when and where that is. So cancer has no power over any of us. And I think it's 
about time I remember that. And I think it's about time the rest of us remember that. So anyway, that's just what I'm thinking this morning. I'm going to go get a haircut. So you guys go do what you got to do today. Have a good day. Go be kind to somebody. Do something nice and don't be afraid of fear. Gee. <laughs> it's always about the hair. <laughs> I was going to say that looks like the beginning of the new do. Right there. Yeah, that was the start of something big. Um, you know what's funny, Matt, is that I now at post COVID, um, and I'm calling it post COVID because I went to my favorite coffee shop today, mm -hmm. and I walked in, and the baristas had their masks off, and she looked at me and she says, "Take your mask off," and I took it and I threw it across the room, yay. and I'm like, "Yay!" So mm -hmm. people, but, but I think that's what people didn't understand this whole time, and people there's some that have been critical of me. I've already done the fear thing and I understand that fear doesn't work. It doesn't work on me. So the governor and everybody, Dr. Fauci, everybody can put their stuff out there and it doesn't mean I'm not careful, but it means I have a different perspective on life than that. And you know, if I die of COVID, I die of COVID. It doesn't mean I'm not going to be careful, but I'm not going to live my life in this little teeny shell that's created by government for me when I'm going to live to the fullest until the end, because I had cancer. And if you don't understand that, I don't give a shit. Right. You know, that, I think that's you and me are on that same page right there, Rick, where in the beginning of COVID, I was at saying, it's my body. If I want to expose myself to it, let me do that. Don't tell me what I need to do to protect myself. I will protect myself how I feel I need to protect myself. So exactly. You know, so like you said, my family's been through that whole cancer thing multiple times. So yeah, I get it. So is that kind of, I, I know, it, I already know, cause I know you so well, part of the reason you found this is your wife was going some stuff through some stuff to cancer as well, several times. And you, I mean, you're, and, and then what's so cool about you, Matt, I think is, so you find something's working for your family and then you bring it to, to, you know, Western Oregon so that you can do the same thing for other people. Cause you take these into people's homes who are going through cancer treatment, they can rent them and it helps them. Yes. In multiple ways. We have folks that, you know, for example, we have a client three years ago that came to see us because he was dealing with, you know, PSA counts that were coming up and he came to see us and they would go down and he'd be good for a while. And then four or five months later, he'd come back because they were up. He'd see two treatments and they go down. And finally, he's just like, I, I need one of these in my home. So he has one in his house. He just lives across town even. Right. But it's much easier for him just to treat in his own home regularly to keep his PSA counts down instead right. of coming back and forth all the time and taking that chance where, oh, I missed it. You know? And then we have folks who are dealing with other kind of cancers, like breast cancer or bladder cancer or you know, any kind of thing where they're trying to treat it naturally. Because that's where we were with my wife. The chemo was killing her faster than the non-operable tumor in her brainstem right and so we had stopped we were just doing you know high dose vitamin c you know lots of hemp seed you know, all the stuff you can do natural you know as well as you know you talked about the mental stuff earlier one of her biggest things was she tried to uh, protect me from what was going on so that we wouldn't discuss it so she didn't have to talk about it all the time and she just wanted to be happy and she wanted to go do things that she wanted to do just in case which I let her go do all that stuff. And she got to have, you know, quality time with her mom, go have adventures and just be happy 
and not stress about it. And I think that's a lot of things that happened as well. But then we found hyperbarics and we started treating. And so because it's inoperable, they couldn't go in and remove it. So they would go in every July and drain it. They could do that at least so that she wouldn't pass out and come back. And when she would pass out and come to, half her body wouldn't work. It was like she had a stroke. Ugh. But they would drain it. And so we started hybrids in June. They drained it that July. A year later, they went to drain it, and there was nothing to drain. Oh. And that's when they, they, did a, they did a PET scan and found out that she was in stage two from stage four. And then a couple months later, she's stage one, and then four recut, and then four remission. And that's where she is now. There's nothing in her, you know, they test her blood and look at it and there's nothing they can't find, you know, like, nope, you still look good. So. So you have one in your home too, you spoiled little brat. <laughs> well, actually it's here right now. I guess. <laughs> but so, so how do people get in touch with you? I put your phone number on this mm -hmm. grill, but, but you have different programs too. You have different specials and you have ways people can get in there for that first treatment for any of these things, autism, for depression for just feeling better. And if somebody is going through cancer, here's a great way to do something different besides the regular thing. That's one thing I learned out of this is the first answer was Rick operate and take it out. And radiation wasn't my big thrill, but it, at the time it was the next best thing I could do in my estimation. But I was looking and my wife was looking desperately because I didn't want to do the operation. You can't, for me and other people choose that. That's fine. For me, I can't just take things out of my life. I have to, and I know a lot of guys are like, I don't want that in there. I want it out. Well, there's no guarantee they get it all out anyway. To me, I wanted, I was, I was hoping you blast it and then maybe you're killing some little ones that are random out there that are flying around, you know, and, and we the good thing about all this stuff is it's our it's still our decision what we do with our body and how we choose and if you if you do the research and you come up with a different answer than everybody else and you feel it's the right answer then do that and that i think is why i keep bringing this back but as i'm talking about it, i'm realizing that's what pisses me off so much about this reaction to covid is because we should get to decide for ourselves like I had to do for my cancer. It is my body, it is my choice, and I'm not impacting you. Leave me the hell alone. Yeah. Matt, I love you and I love what you do separately. <laughs> and when that came to this topic and I thought Matt was going, what should we do this month? And I said, Matt, we should just do something on cancer because that's what you do with. And let's just do mine because I'm getting all these requests for people to do it. And I appreciate you letting us do this on the show because there's been a ton of people on here. And I think you guys share this on your page. Let other people know if you know of a gentleman who is going through this or is doing this gentleman also. Um, God, get when you turn 40. Start having your PSA checked, 40, 50. If you have a family history, do it at 40. That's what I did. If it's not, go around 50. But just start getting it because then you get numbers. You know what your numbers are. Um, if I hadn't had a family history, if I hadn't had numbers showing mine, they would have operated right on the bat. But because I had a map that said, oh, Rick's keeps going up about this much every year. We're not panicking. It's not jumping. If they would have gone in there and had mine at 12, they would have said, you need radical surgery and you're out of here. So it really does save your bacon um, and a whole lot more. <laughs> All right, Matt, thank you. Absolutely. And you guys. Thank you, sir. Oh, you're welcome, my man. Have a good evening. So you guys, um, again, Matt McCarl, 
New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness, like the graphic says, not like Rick wrote on here. I put the phone number on there. I put their website on there. Go find out. I hear so many people going, oh, I really need to do that. Well, then you really need to do that. Um, it's, it's a really easy thing to sign up for and get in there and take care of your body. And even if you're just able-bodied person, I'm a, I work out too much. It's my aches and pains. It's, it helps. When I broke my wrist, Matt brought me in there, worked on my wrist, used the infrared on there as well. And I think I healed faster because my doctor, <laughs> I went to the surgeon and he goes, well, we can probably get you to be able to start using your wrist um, in the gym and you can do more than just, um, you know, ride the, the bike. And I went, oh, um, you know, I'm not supposed to be lifting weights yet. <laughs> he said, you're lifting weights. And I went, well, yeah, it works. And so I was doing stuff way sooner than they thought. And um, I think it was partially because of all the things that Matt was having me do and the help we were doing. So anyway, um, share this on your page. Uh, let other people know about it. Tomorrow night, we have a really special show. I have a teacher that called me up from down south uh, in Oregon. And uh, she has. She said to me, you know, Rick, I think the teachers are taking a lot of shit. She didn't say that word, but I did. Um, for us not going back to school. And it's not their fault. And I said, whose fault is it? So tomorrow, she's going to tell us. And she's very open. And she's very upset. And she says, our kids are the ones who are suffering for this whole thing. So we're going to have her on and um, that should be a show that will be worth remembering. Um, oh, Jason, you really need to go see Matt. Jason has a, he's a veteran injured in the war. Jason, you really need to get connected with Matt. Go find him. I promise you. I just had coffee with this guy today. You need to go talk to Matt. Have a good evening, guys. See you later. Good night. Oh, 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 oh,